Welcome to Bethel Church. My name is Mike Wittig. I'm the pastor of Student Ministries here. This, thank you. This weekend, Pastor Steve's at our Cedar Lake campus. It's our first weekend as we install our new campus pastor at Cedar Lake. It's an awesome day for our church. Awesome day for them. Yeah, so we're going to pray for him in a little bit. Um, and he asked me to come this week, and I am pumped to be here, just chomping at the bit down there to get up here, because I have something for you guys, man, I'm excited about. It's been blessing me as I've been studying it, and I'm just so glad to share it with you. Um, and we had, as you well know, uh, some difficulty with the roads to get here. So if you look around, a little bit thinned out today, and that tells me something. It tells me the folks that came here today are hungry. You guys are hungry for something. You couldn't go a, a week without hearing from the Word of God, and so you want something. I, I believe God's going to give it to you here, and I'm so pumped about it. Our uh, passage is in Matthew 1, Matthew chapter 1. We'll have it on the screen if you don't have it in the, on your phone or with a Bible. And a quick plug for Verge. Verge is our student ministry, middle school, high school. Yeah, come on, somebody. If you're related to Verge, you guys stand up, leaders, students, where are you at? We've got a few of us. So if you're not standing and you're a teenager, look around. Some awesome people go. Yeah, thank you guys. This, you can have, have a seat. This Tuesday and Thursday is our annual Christmas party. So if you're a student and you want to get to know some of these awesome people, come on Tuesday if you're middle school. Come on Thursday if you're high school. It's going to be awesome. Matthew 1, verse 18. Last week, Pastor Steve spoke about the lineage of Jesus and how... Um, from a line of sinners, Jesus came to save sinners. And today we're going to look at how this story, the Christmas story, affects one person in particular and how it kind of messes with this person's plans. And I'll be talking about the subject, when life isn't going as planned. When life is not going as planned. So Matthew 1 verse 18. Now the birth, birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I'm having revival in my heart just reading that passage, y'all. He will save his people from their sins. Will you guys pray with me? Pray with me. God, I pray right now for our friends in Cedar Lake at the Cedar Lake campus. For Pastor Steve, for Mark, God, I pray it's a blessed weekend there. I pray for Mark's ministry that you would protect him, help that campus just be a beaming hope of light in Cedar Lake. And God, now we uh, are here today. It wasn't easy to get here. And God, we need you to be real to us now. Our minds are restless, our hearts are hurting but God, I pray you would draw us into this moment. Help us to receive what you have for us to receive. I pray we would all leave here impacted and changed. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Everybody said. Can we just take two seconds and give Jesus, the star of Christmas, a shout of praise in this place? 
We love Jesus around here. Yeah, we do. Oh, man, you guys ready? Touch your neighbor, say, get ready. It's about to go down. You're going to be blessed, I promise. Okay, so I was a little boy, and I was a weed lad, and I grew up in a place called Texas, a faraway country with guns and, and cows and fields. Texas, perhaps you've heard of it. Texas? So I love Texas, and I grew up with um, acreage. My parents had, an acre, had, a, had a farm with acreage and all this great stuff. My grandma lived near us. She had a pool, had a ranch. I had this kind of Andy Griffith childhood. It was amazing. You could run around and run in the woods, swim in the stream. We had a creek at our house. All this great stuff. I went to a school I liked, went to a little church that we liked. And when I was five, my dad comes to me and he says uh, to me and my sisters, hey, we are moving to Maryville, Indiana. <laughs> Maryville, we got a bi-level house with a quarter acre. We've got our name on it. You know, we're going to Maryville. And I didn't know anything about Indiana besides it was cold and there was steel. And so we come here and we moved in the middle of the school year, my kindergarten year. I had just started making friends. And we came here in January. So it looked like this. And so my first experience in Indiana was this. I was like, what is this? This is horrible, right? And so <clears throat> we, uh, my first day of school, I tell you the story because I remember my first day of school. I did not want to be there. And so my mom drops us off, and I'm a kindergartner, and I'm, uh, I, I get out of the car, I look ahead, and there's a school, and my mom takes off driving, and I start screaming and crying, having a breakdown, and I start running down the middle of the road, down the road screaming, they stopped traffic, it was this giant ordeal, I got called into the principal's office because it was this big mess. I didn't want to go to school, I didn't understand, I felt like my plans had all been ruined, had all gone up in smoke. I didn't understand what my dad was doing. All I know was I didn't understand and I don't want to be here. Life was not going according to my plan. And perhaps today you find yourself in a similar situation. You're obviously older than five, most of you. But maybe life is not treating you as you thought it would. Maybe when you were younger you had plans, hopes, and dreams that now things have taken a different turn. Perhaps you feel like the rug has been pulled out from underneath you, and this message is for you today. Let's go back to our passage. I want to lay some groundwork and then really get into this point. Um, Matthew 1, verse 18. <clears throat> now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his Mar mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, so before they had relations, Betrothal in that day was more than an engagement is today, but it wasn't quite marriage. It's kind of in the middle. It was a one-year commitment saying, in a year, we're going we're to make this official. But so they were more than engaged, but they weren't married yet. They were betrothed. It was this unbreakable pledge. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it says here, the most incredible thing. It's all, it's all a custom for us now in our culture, but it says, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit with child from the Holy Spirit, so not of man. And the Bible is really clear about this doctrine. This is known as the virgin birth, the virgin birth. This is one of the big ones, okay? So a lot of churches will argue and have disagreement on the color of the carpet or whether the pastor should wear a robe, you know, or what kind of translation we prefer. These are fine things we can discuss. Denominations have been formed over less, right? 
And that's fine to debate those things, but what we are talking about here is a central tenet of the Christian faith, a key doctrine, the virgin birth. This is one of those things that we cannot uh, negotiate on. We don't have to understand it, but it is core to our understanding as Christians, the virgin birth. At Bethel, you'll hear it said a lot around here that we want to minor on the minors and major on the majors. Make a big deal out of what God makes a big deal about, and this is one of those things. This is one of those major things that we will not deviate from here. The virgin birth. See, Jesus did not come from the line and seed of Adam. He came to be the second Adam, who unlike the first Adam, he passed his test in the garden for you and for me. And so in Isaiah 7, 14, it's actually the prophecy here, I'm going to read to you, of this virgin birth. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. So Isaiah is saying, when this moment comes, when a virgin gives birth to a son, that's when you know the Messiah has arrived, that he has come. It was a miraculous conception, a supernatural event. We can't explain it. It's called faith, but we trust it. And continuing on, and her husband Joseph... Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So many of you are familiar maybe with Luke chapter 2. If you ever want to start somewhere with the Christmas story, a real famous passage, kind of the go-to passage for the Bible story of Christmas is Luke chapter 2. And Luke 2 is told from Mary's perspective. So it presents to us Mary, and she's excited. Yes! You know, Jesus is coming. That's sweet! Well, Matthew 1, which is where we are today, is told from Joseph's perspective. So Mary's excited in Luke 2, but in Matthew 1, it's a more sober Joseph. It's a more discouraged Joseph. Because imagine for a moment, imagine being Joseph in this moment, right? You just find out your girl's pregnant and you're not the dad. That news turned his world upside down. They hadn't had relations. He knew it couldn't have been him. He didn't understand much. He didn't know the plan. He didn't know what was happening here, but he knew one thing. I am not the dad. What would you do, guys? He decided what he's going to do is uh, divorce her quietly. He just said, you know, get out. I don't want you. We're done. We're moving on. But it says, as he considered these things, he was wrestling with this. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. That's a good name. Jesus. Jesus is the Hebrew form of the word Yeshua or Joshua, meaning Jehovah will save. Jehovah will save. What an amazing name. Jesus. Do we love that name here? Jesus. What a beautiful name. There's no other name like Jesus. At the name of Jesus, y'all, sins, chains are broken. At the name of Jesus, captives are set free. At the name of Jesus, hope is restored. At the name of Jesus, peace is found. At the name of Jesus, tongues confess and knees bow to declare he is Lord. There is no other name above the name of Jesus. What a name. At the name of Jesus, the demons flee and the enemy trembles. And we're not talking about Alexander or Napoleon or Washington. We're talking about a name that is above every other name. Yeshua, Jehovah will save. 
I love that. And look at this, the very last part of this passage. Oh, I love this. You guys ready? Someone's ready. Who's ready? He's ready. That's my boy. For he will save his people from their sins. Not we hope he, he will. Not we're praying he will. Not he might save. Not depending on whether it's comfortable for him, he's going to save some people. I love it. It's so definitive. He will save. There's no plan B. There's no backup plan. It was Jesus. It's always been Jesus. Jehovah will save. And you know, others came before Jesus to testify of God's salvation. Jesus came to be God's salvation. Jesus came and he is God's salvation. Others came to talk about God's love. Jesus is God's love. Others came to speak truth. Jesus is truth. I feel like y'all need to say amen right in there. Come on, church. Where are you at? Where are my high schoolers at? Jesus will save his people from their sins. This means no more Old Testament sacrifices, no more temples, no more prophets, no more burnt offerings. He will save his people from their sins. No more shadows. The substance has arrived and his name is Jesus. We worship him today, not because he told us some amazing things about God's salvation, but because he is God's salvation. Is anybody glad today? He's your salvation. He's not just your teacher. He's not just your mentor or your rabbi. He is your salvation. Woo! I'm having revival up here. I don't know if you guys are having it in your heart. And this should give some assurance to some folks in this room, um, some parents especially. Maybe you have a child who is not going along the path you want them to go. You raise them in church. You're praying to God that God would save them. If they are God's children, he will save them. He will save his people. If they are his, he will save them. And maybe you're here running from God. Somehow you got here today, but you're running from God, and you're living a life of fun, games, and it's great, but deep down in these moments when you thought you'd be having fun, you're not. Deep down, there's an emptiness there. You you, you don't know what that is, and somehow God brought you here today. That's Jesus saving you. He's not going to let you have a great time until you come to him and find joy in him. He will save his people. If you're his people, he will save you. Definitive will. I love that. Man, I love that, if you guys can't tell. So here's where I want to go today. Um, there's a lot here to say, and I, would, I want to zoom in on one aspect of the story. As you know, as I mentioned, this passage is told from Joseph's perspective. So as I was studying this, I tried to put myself in his shoes. What's he dealing with here? What's, he, what's it like being Joseph in this moment? Can you imagine? Let's say you're a young guy, and you're, you're about to graduate from IUN. You got money set aside for a deposit for your apartment. You got a girl you've been dating since high school. She's the one. You love her. She loves you. You guys already got three names for kids picked out. Everything's all planned out for you, right? You got a career path lined up for you. It's all working out. You got an amazing plan. A week before the wedding, she says, I'm pregnant. And you know it's not yours. What would you do? It was, it was like the rug has been pulled out from underneath you. And that's where Joseph finds himself here. He had so much anticipation, so many dreams, so many hopes, so many plans for an amazing future. And these four verses show us his struggle when it's not going according to his plan. His plans have been ruined. He feels betrayed. 
We're seeing him right when the rug has been pulled out from underneath him, right when his hopes and dreams have been dashed. He's about to kick out Mary and have to start all over. His well-planned out life appears to be spiraling out of control. And maybe you can somewhat relate with Joseph here. Maybe you find yourself in a similar place, in the middle of a season filled with fears and doubts and questions and disillusionment. Maybe you feel like the rug has been pulled out from under you. Maybe you feel like your plans, which seemed so great several years ago, aren't coming together. It's not going according to your plan. I can just picture Joseph crying out to God, saying, God, what is happening here? It says I'm a just man. I'm a just man. I'm trying to make right choices. Why is my world falling apart? Why are my dreams dashed? I don't see what you're doing here, God. Can you imagine him praying that? And maybe you pray that. God, what's happening? But we have the advantage of knowing that this is just a small scene in the larger story, right? Like, Joseph, chill out, bro. It's going to be okay. We celebrate Christmas because this is not the end of the story. We know, Joseph, that Mary actually is indeed a virgin, that she has been faithful to you. Even more, Joseph, you don't understand. You are about to receive the most incredible blessing in the world. You are about to raise the Savior of the world. Blessing is on the way, Joseph. Understanding is on the way. God has a plan. Maybe you don't feel like God has a plan, but he has a plan. You just can't see it right now in this moment. Right now, Joseph, you're upset. Man, we get that. We would be too. You want to throw Mary out? You got the lawyer on speed dial? Totally understand. But you don't see that God's up to something here, Joseph. Joseph, if we could go back in time, wouldn't you want to go back and tell him, Joseph, God has a plan. You don't see it. Hang in there. God has a plan. He has not forgotten you, Joseph. He has not forsaken you. You are about to be blessed beyond your wildest dreams. God has a plan. And there's somebody here today who just needs to hear those words because you feel like your plans have all been dashed. God has a plan. He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. If you are his child, he knows every hair on your head. He knows every piece of grain of sand along the ocean. He knows everything about you. He's not forsaken you or forgotten you. God has a plan. Can you trust in that? And not just when it's easy, not just on the mountaintop, and we all love it on the mountaintop. I'm speaking to some people right now in the valley. Can you trust when you cannot see clearly that there is a plan. Can you trust he has a plan for you? And in this passage, actually, we see Joseph begin to shift. In these four verses, he shifts from seeing it from his perspective, from his view, to God's view. It's this transfer, transformation taking place within himself, a shift that compels him, actually, we find out, to stay with Mary, to stay with her, even though it's not his baby. You see, how we see things, our perception, our perspective, does affect our actions. The pregnancy didn't go away, his struggle didn't go away, but yet he acted differently based on his perception, on his view. Once he began to see that God has a plan, it changes how we act. Right perspective, right action. Wrong perspective, wrong action. And here's um, 
a visual aid for those of us like me who, who need visual aids. So here's some glasses. I, this, is, this is my view. My view. This is where Joseph was. He finds out, dude, your girl's pregnant. Dreams are dashed. It's over. Problem with these glasses is I really can't see too well. I can see on the sides here. I can see down, but I have limited vision with these glasses on. And Joseph began to address this issue from his perspective, rationally. I mean, he did what we all would do. And in his dream, this angel comes to him, tells him of God's plan, tells him God has a plan that's far bigger than you understand, Joseph. And in that moment, the shades begin to come off. And he begins to see the situation from a different perspective. He begins to see, okay, I can see a little more clearly now. The issue didn't go away. The issue didn't need to change. The circumstances didn't need to change. I needed to change. The pregnancy was still there. The struggle was still there. What needed to change in this story is not the pregnancy. It was Joseph. It's Joseph. He needed the change of his perspective. He needed to see the bigger picture. And think about this. Until the angel came, until his shades began to come off. He was going about this all the wrong way. We don't worship Mary here. Uh, we don't build statues to her, but we do. We, she is a beautiful, lovely person, right? We respect her. For 2,000 years, Christians have admired the Virgin Mary. Incredible, incredible person, right? Um, think about this. Joseph, when he was wearing these shades, when he was seeing this struggle only from his perspective, he was going to kick out the Virgin Mary, Of all people, like she didn't meet his standard when he was viewing from his perspective. And it wasn't until he started to see God's plan. And it wasn't Mary's issue, Joseph, it's yours. God needed to work in your life. Of all people, right? He initially approached the struggle from a clearly rational perspective. Mary's pregnant, I didn't do it, get out, we're done. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to go through the struggle from our viewpoint, my view. And what I want to challenge all of us to do is to start to ask God to show us his view. And we find it in the scripture. We find it in his promises. We find it in verses like Romans 8.28. And in the midst of your pain, it's really hard to see things from God's perspective, isn't it? But that is the time, of all times, in the midst of the struggle, that's the time to apply this principle to your life. That's the time to ask God to help you. God, take these shades off of my life. It's in the midst of the struggle, when we can read Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. So if you love God, he has a plan, and you might not understand that plan, but there is a plan. All things are going to work out. It doesn't mean that you're going to like it. It doesn't mean it's going to be fun and easy. But when we take off the shades, Romans 8.28 is one of those verses that will help us. All right, I'm in this difficult situation. God, help me apply this to my life. Help me to begin to see the bigger picture. That's what Joseph needed. That's what we need. If you love God, God has a plan for you. It may not be your plan, but he does have a plan. And, you know, Joseph was fortunate enough, he had a 
an angel come to him in a dream to help him, like get those shades off. He got, an, he got a messenger robed in white to help him say, Joseph, you need to see things a little differently. You guys might not get that. You probably won't. But you do get this message this morning. You do get the word of God. You do get the promises of God. You do get Romans 8, 28. God's saying to you, perhaps in your heart, take off the shades. Take off the shades. So about two weeks ago, I was praying, and it wasn't like I was praying because I'm, you know, doing my devotions. I mean, you want to do that too. But it was like one of those prayers that I just had to pray. Like, you got to pray. Like, I'm desperate. I can't do this. One of those kind of prayers. And I was praying about some struggles I've been carrying. And I'm like, God, why am I carrying this? Like, can't you remove this. My life is such more, so much more difficult with this struggle. What's going on? I'm like crying out to God because I was really overwhelmed. And I had a thought in the midst of that prayer. And here's the thought. And I walked away changed. The thought was this. It's that very struggle, Mike, that you don't want in your life that is making you stronger. It's that very struggle that you don't want to have to be a part of your life that is making you and molding you into the image of Jesus, that is making you the person that God wants you to be. That very struggle is what's making you stronger. And I walked out of that prayer time, and the struggle didn't go away, but I changed. I changed. Maybe you find yourself in the midst of a fiery trial right now. You just got fire all around you. And you're going through such a hard season. And it's easy in those moments to whine and complain and moan and to throw a pity party. Man, I've been there. And you hear this message. Fire's all around you. Mike says, take the shades off. And you're like, okay. I'll take them off. I'm going to trust you, God. In that moment, Perhaps the fire won't go away. But what if in that moment you begin to see that this is a refiner's fire? That this very fire is what is shaping you. That the purest gold comes from the hottest fire. And what if it's this very fire that God is using to mold you into somebody amazing? What if you see when you take off the shades that Jesus is with you in this fire? He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. You know, if we're going to face the fire, and we all will at different times, we might as well face it with eyes of faith. That is the gift of being a Christian. It's a luxury item. So we don't have to suffer without purpose. Every pain we endure can have a purpose in Christ Jesus. It can all be redeemed in his name. We don't have to suffer alone. He is with us. And when we take off the shades, we see he is with us. He is shaping us. He is molding us. Maybe you're here and you're just under enormous pressure. Can I just be open and honest really quick? Yesterday morning, Saturday morning, in my entire life, I have never been through a a few hours of time that I felt more pressured. I had this enormous feeling of pressure on me. Hard to breathe. It was crazy. Um, Just pressure. And in that moment, I didn't act great at first, right? But in that moment, I had to preach to myself my own sermon for Sunday and say, Mike, 
Diamonds are formed by pressure. It's the very pressure that I don't want in my life that God maybe is using to give me some metal, to give me some strength, and to mold me into what he wants me to be. And maybe that very pressure that you just want to get out of your life, God's saying, I'm going to use that. That very trial, that very struggle, all those plans to trust in that, that he has a plan. He has a plan. Maybe God won't change what's happening in your life, but maybe he wants to change you. Change your perspective. Change the way you see things. Maybe he wants you to trust him. Maybe he's calling you to take off the shades. What area of your life are you wearing those shades? What area can you give to him and say, I trust you, God. I don't understand this plan. Just like Joseph. Man, I don't understand. But I'm going to trust that you have a grand plan. And when you remove the shades, you begin to see, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those who love God. You could say like Joseph in the Old Testament, that you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Genesis 50, 20. You could say like Paul, who was beaten, who was stoned, who was ridiculed, who was jailed, who was shipwrecked. You could say like him, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. That's living by faith. That's taking off the shades, rejoicing in the struggle. That's facing the fire with eyes of faith. And it's your gift. God's given you that. All we have to do is see it. Take off the shades and see it. He is with us. He is shaping us. It's not an accident. There is a plan. And when Joseph took his shades off, he began to see, this is not about you, Joseph. There's an amazing story being told. And this is not the end of your story, Joseph. This is one scene of a giant story being told. I'm a little boy. I'm five years old. I'm screaming. I'm crying. And I'm running down the road. Cars are swerving. And my mom has to stop. And I get thrown into the principal's office. All that happened because I didn't understand the plan that my dad had. I didn't have the context. I was very short-sighted. As I've gotten older, I understand now why we moved. I didn't like it at the time. It wasn't fun. But I understand. He had a plan. I didn't have to see the plan for there to be a plan. But there was a plan. There was a reason. And as I get older, it's easier to see, okay, dad was working in that. I know why he did that. And those of us who have been Christians for a while can say, yeah, the hard times, we can all testify, yeah. But there's some folks here who are right in the thick of it, and we want to testify to you in that struggle when you feel like all your plans have been ruined. If you love Jesus, he has a plan. He has a plan. Yes, Joseph, your world is unsettled. Yes, you are discouraged. Yes, your life is not going as planned. Yes, you want to divorce Mary and start over. We understand. But be encouraged, Joseph. That child that has turned your life upside down, that child that has messed up your plans, that child who you think is ruining your life is actually there to save your life. 
That child is the savior of the world. Your inconvenience, Joseph, is humanity's only hope. You think your life is over, Joseph, but really this is just the beginning. Take off the shades and you'll begin to see, even when you don't feel like there's a plan, God has a plan.